0: You are listening to The Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share here significant and heartfelt messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face your challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Can I invite you to just lift up your hands and declare this with all of your conviction. Let's go. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Amen. You know the drill. Join me in singing and giving honor to God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And just like that, we are back. You know, after a beautiful side trip up on the mountain, you know, during our series Ascend last month, we're going back to studying the Gospel of Matthew this week. So if this is your first time to join us, you know, you couldn't have picked a better time because we are starting a brand new series called Rhythms of Grace. That's right. The title of our talk today is this write this down, a hammer that heals a hammer that heals. You won't get it now, but I promise you, if you stick with us, you're gonna understand it at the end, all right? So please join us until the end. Anyway, let me explain. In this series, we are plunging and diving into chapters 11 to 13 of the book of Matthew, where Matthew describes the different ways of how people responded to Jesus. Like, for example, there were some people who responded to Jesus positively you know they believed and they proclaimed you are the messiah that's what that, that's what they said however there were some people who responded to jesus negatively you know they rejected him saying you're the king of demons while the rest the rest were neutral you know they were lukewarm towards jesus they doubted more than they believed in your own life let me ask this how have you responded to jesus positively negatively Or is this a question that you abstain from answering? You know, are you neutral? You know, pasmuna. Let me say this. It's important that you need to discern and identify who Jesus is in your life. You need to know what is the role of Jesus in your life, okay? If you've had moments in your life where you actually doubted who Jesus was, don't feel bad. Why? Because this happens to the best of us, you know? In fact, Jesus even had a relative who doubted him. Isn't this still true until today? You know, sometimes it's the people who are closest to you who doubt you the most, right? Anyway, that's for a different topic, okay? Who was this relative? His name was John the Baptist. Some of you might not know this, but John was actually Jesus' cousin. John's mom, her name is Elizabeth, she was a cousin of Mama Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now remember in the story of Luke, this was just last month, you know, during Christmas. When Mary visited her cousin Elizabeth, the Bible says that the baby that was in her womb leapt for joy when Mary spoke. That baby was John. And you know what, this goes to show that you can experience the light today and still have doubts tomorrow, okay? Get ready for this message. Today we wanna preach this message, okay? Write this down, God is bigger than your expectations. God is bigger than your expectations. If you believe that, type it in, yes he is, yes he is. I believe that this is an important message to preach, especially in a world where people limit God's abilities by giving him small expectations. You see, that's what John did, okay? Let's read. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew, chapter, where are we, chapter 11, verse two. It says here, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we have been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? There you go. That's John doubting who Jesus was. Anyway, let's pray. Before we study this, I want us to pray together. I want you to bow down your heads, close your eyes, and feel God's presence wherever you are. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts and our lives to you, making ourselves vulnerable and susceptible for your message today. The truth of the matter is that there will be some things that will be difficult for us to hear, but even more so difficult for us to act upon. But we believe that with the work and the strength and the grace of the Holy Spirit alive and active in us, Lord, we believe that nothing is impossible. So Jesus, exceed every expectation that we have this year. We know and we believe that you can do impossible things in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Even now, we give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, everybody. Can you please sing with me? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. One more time. Somebody type this in. God is bigger than my expectations. Amen. All right, let's begin, everybody. Let's go now again to the story that we read a while ago. Let's process this verse by verse, okay? Verse 2 of chapter 11, it says, John the Baptist who was in prison when he heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, what did he do? He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we have been expecting? or should we keep looking for someone else? Okay, if you think about this, you know, this actually doesn't make sense. Let me give you this analogy. Imagine that I am running for president. Okay, president of the Cristel Villaraza Fans Club. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's say that I'm actually running for presidency of this country. Okay, this is just an example all right? I have no political ambitions whatsoever. So as I run for president, you apply to be my campaign manager. Why? Because you think I'm handsome. Okay, no. Because you believe in what I can do, okay? So for many months, you are my campaign manager, okay? You organize public appearances and shows and caucuses for me to show up and attend so that people would get to know who I was. And as you discover more of my character, you even believe in me even more. So you actually personally endorse me to everyone, even random strangers in the street to vote for me. But then come election day, as you are about to choose your presidential candidate in that voting booth, all of a sudden you have this strange, creeping doubt in your gut if I would be the right person for the job. So instead at the last minute, you choose for another candidate. That was exactly what John did. See, John was the marketing manager of the Messiah. He was the so called front act of Jesus, you know, the chief marketing guy. He was rallying people to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he became confused and started having doubts. What happened? Towards disappointed expectations. Okay? Let me tell you how dangerous disappointed expectations are. We all have expectations, right? How many of you have expectations this year? Can you give me a virtual hands up? You have expectations, right? We expect God to hear our prayers, and in a way, we also expect God to respond, yes? I mean, that's just natural, right? But when God doesn't respond in a way that we expect Him to, what happens? We start doubting. Okay, let me give you three reasons why we doubt. And I want you to take note of these, okay? Because these will arm you this year whenever you go through moments of great doubt. Okay, write this down. Here's the first one. We doubt whenever we are in pain. Okay, we doubt when we are in pain. Let's go to verse two. It says, John the Baptist who was in prison. Okay, let's stop there. I want us to give John a little credit. Okay, after all, John was at the bottom of a pit a very dark pit with heavy chains around his hands and around his feet, with rats probably nimbling at his wounds. So he was literally in a place of pain. So maybe that's why he doubted, right? Think about all the times that you doubted God, whether God loved you, whether God was there for you. Were you not also in a place of pain, right? In a place of anguish. So you you actually don't doubt when you're happy. No, you doubt when you're sad, right? You don't doubt when your pantry is empty, you doubt when it's, uh, sorry, you don't doubt when your pantry is plenty, you doubt when your pantry is empty. You don't doubt when you're surrounded by people who love you, you doubt whenever you are lonely, whenever you are alone. It's in your moments of great pain that's when you doubt. But I want you to also know this, that it's in your moments of great pain That's when God is very much present. See, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those spirits who are crushed. So yes, it's in your pain that God is very much present. So never, ever doubt for a single second that God doesn't care about you and what you go through, okay? Whenever you doubt, it's because you are in pain. That's reason number one. Here's reason number two. We doubt whenever others have it better. Okay? Again, let's go to verse 2. It says, John the Baptist was in prison when he heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. Okay? See, John must have been hungry for good food. Right? Why do I say that? Because in prison, what do they feed you? They feed you lowly prison food. Right? So, when John heard about what Jesus the Messiah was doing, he must have gotten some really bad ideas about Jesus, right? I mean, here you are, starving for the purpose of God. And, and, and then you hear about this person that you were campaigning for, and all he's doing is partying and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. See, that's what Jesus was doing, right? He was having these parties of forgiveness, inviting the outcasts and the rejects and the rebels. The problem was, John didn't understand that. He didn't <laughs> understand what Jesus was doing. So it must have been brutal, For him, right? And I wondered that if John, in his demise in prison, whether he asked the Lord, Lord, why is life so unfair? How many of you have asked that very same question to the Lord? Lord, why is life unfair? Like that time when you saw your worldly, corrupt, greedy, philandering neighbor who never went a single day to church to worship service. And then all of a sudden, he comes to his driveway driving a brand new shiny BMW while in the meantime, you and your 28-year-old Toyota was dying in your garage, right? You have been following and serving and loving the Lord and yet others are getting richer than you. And the only thing that you can do to make yourself feel good about yourself is to tell yourself, Lord, forgive those who compromise their Christian values, you know, those who sell their souls to the world. Be very careful about this attitude, all right? Because this might turn you into a Pharisee. That's exactly what happened to John in a weird way. This is the third reason why we doubt, okay? We doubt when others don't act like us. See, let me give you the context. John the Baptist came from a very rich family. His father's name is Zechariah. And Zechariah was a well-known priest. And you know, priests at that time, they belonged to an elite group who were more wealthy than the ordinary people, unlike now, you know? But John, he chose a different path. Even though he was rich, he he gave up the sophisticated life in exchange for a simple life. You know, he ate simple meals, simple food. He dressed up in simple clothes. He immersed himself in God's work and then preached to the people to repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is near. That's exactly what John said. So in a way, John was somehow expecting, you know, that the Messiah that he was marketing for would look like him would behave like him, would be like him. So he expected that the Messiah would be the axe of hammer, the hammer of justice, you know, the axe of wrath, the winnowing fork of separation. In fact, that's what he said in his own words in the book of Matthew chapter three. He says this, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and with fire, he will separate the shaft from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the shaft with never-ending fire fire. You see, this was the image that John the Baptist painted of the Messiah, a fire-burning, wheat-separating, ultimate fighting champion. (laughs) That's right. So instead, what did he get? When when John heard about what Jesus was doing, about all that eating and all that dining and all that befriending, you know what? He must have asked, where is the fire-burning shaft separating that I prophesied about? Oh no, I probably made a mistake campaigning for the wrong guy. This must be the wrong candidate. John was expecting Jesus to behave like him only to find out that Jesus was different than he was. See, John was a hermit who lived in the desert. Jesus, he was a party goer who loved being around people. John was a fire and and brimstone preacher who probably introduced every talk by shouting, repent, Jesus was a storyteller. You know, he was a very simple person who told simple parables about sheep and shepherds and seed and sower. So in a sense, they were so different in every way. John was a hammer and Jesus was a healer. Yet here's the truth. I hope you're listening. God needed them both. Now, why am I preaching this so passionately? Why is this important? Because you need to know that the kingdom of God needs people of different personalities. See, God needs the introvert just as he needs the extrovert, okay? Jesus befriended the wealthy people, just like Zacchaeus, right? The chief tax collector. But he also recruited poor people, broke people like Simon Peter because God can use both. Type that in, God uses both. God uses both. So never ever get caught up thinking that God works only with one formula to get the job done, okay? Just as one plus four is five and three plus two is still five, they are different numbers, but they achieve the same result, okay? We think that there's only one way of doing things, but that's not true because in God's kingdom, whenever God wills it to, he can let a hammer heal and he can let a healer hammer. Let me say that again very slowly so that I'm sure that it'll sink in. God can let a hammer heal, but he can also let a healer hammer. That's right. God can use everything that was meant to hurt you last year and then use it to heal you this year. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that in all things, God will work it together for the good of those who love him what things, good and bad things, victories and defeats, joys and sufferings, weaknesses and strengths, highs and lows. You see, God can use all of these things and then make it work together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. You see, I believe this, that God can. Everybody type in God can, and I believe that God will. He will work every setback that happened in your life last year and then he will use it for a big comeback this year. How many of you believe that? Type in, amen. Amen. You know, my dear friends, when we apply our limited expectations of God and try to make it fit ours, you know, we are in danger of becoming a Pharisee. Check this out. In verse 18, it says this, okay? John did not spend his time eating and drinking, and and you say, oh, he's possessed by a demon, the son of man. On the other hand, he feasts and he drinks and yet you still say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. You ever hear the saying, damned if you do and damned if you don't? This is direct proof of that. You see, the Pharisees, they did not like John, but guess what? They also did not like Jesus. Again, two different personalities. Why? Because they both did not fit their expectations. You wanna know what happens whenever you reject something or someone simply because they don't fit your expectations? You miss out on God's visitation. You miss the possibility of God's presence pervading your life, pervading your house. That's right. Let me close with this, okay? How many of you had expectations in 2020 that were not meant? Type it in. I can relate. I can relate, Brother Audie. I'd like to believe that every person here today can relate to that question. You know, I mean, we all had something that we planned out last year, but it didn't pan out the way we planned it, right? Just like John, we all had disappointed expectations. Here's the problem. When we pray to God, you know, somehow we expect God to answer us, to heal us, to give us the perfect job, to introduce us to Mr. Right, to make us pregnant, you know, grant us a visa, solve our problems, fulfill our wildest dreams and make us the happiest person in the world. And then when he doesn't do that, boom, we ask, is God still worth serving? Is God still worth worshiping? Is God still worth loving? You know, should I still pray to him? And so our understanding of God, you know, it just falls apart. But you know what? Maybe it should. Because if this is our image and understanding of who God is, then maybe this is an image that's worth falling apart. Because it's wrong. It reduces God to our small thinking and our very small perspective and small mindset. Let me close with this story, okay? The other week, our son, Ethan, he wanted to stay past his bedtime. But, you know, at the simple age of three, we're really trying our best to be conscious parents, okay? We're planting good habits of him sleeping early every night, especially while he's still growing. That's why we're very strict in implementing an early bedtime. And so, of course, we told him no, right? Whenever our son asks me and my wife something that, you know, he doesn't understand yet, but we know will harm him in the end, we often explain to him in th- this in three powerful words, okay? I'm going to share it with you. After we tell him, listen to us, son, we tell him, because daddy knows best or mommy knows best, my dear friend, let me tell you the same thing. God is a parent. So whenever God doesn't meet your expectations, trust him. Why? Because God knows best. Amen. God knows what will help you, but God also knows what will harm you. So when we think that we know better than God, you know what happens? We try to become God. And I tell you, that's a recipe for disaster. Let God be God. Follow His will. God is not supposed to follow our will. We're supposed to follow His will, just like what Jesus said. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So my dear friends, it's okay to dream big dreams. Libre ang mangarap. You know that. It's okay. It's great to have lofty goals, but never ever forget that God is bigger than what you expect. His plans are bigger. His plans are greater. His ways are higher. He knows the plans that he asks for you. So at the end of the day, after you have given it your best, let God do the rest. Why? Because God knows best. Amen. To finish this talk, I ask you to keep opening your hearts as I call on God's powerful messenger, Brother Bo Sanchez.
0: I have a question for you. How many of you want to win the 100 million peso lotto? Raise your hand. woo Okay, my guess, Almost all of you raised your hand. I have a second question. Are you ready? In the past month, how many of you actually bought a lotto ticket? Raise your hand. Now, here's my guess. In the first question, almost everybody raised their hand. In the second question, very few people raised their hand. Why? I'll tell you why. Oh, by the way, Before you jump into any conclusions and start texting everybody that Brother Bo is endorsing that we buy the lotto, I'm telling you no, no, N-O. I'm using this as an analogy to drive home a very important point, and I pray it will be so practical that you'll be able to use it for 2021 as a way of blessing the world. But (laughs) let me say that. Oh, by the way, hi, my name is Bo Sanchez, and welcome to the feast. And I want you to know, Audie did an amazing job preaching the word, and that's the message. That's the main message. I'm here just to give you something practical, something complimentary, something connected, something contrasting. And I I, I pray this practical world word will bless your life. So are you ready? Here it is. Why is it? Let's go back to the lotto example. Why is it that a lot of people want to win the lotto, but they don't actually buy the ticket? I'll tell you why. Because we don't expect to win. And rightly so. Do you know that the chances of winning the lotto um, is exactly the same chances as being hit by lightning twice on the same geographical site. It's insane. And that's why, uh, uh, you know, we, we don't buy the lottery ticket. And, and, and I said, rightly so. But how about other situations? Basically, here's my point. We act not according to what we want. We want a lot of things. We want to lose weight. We want to improve our marriage. We want to improve our relationship with our, with our children. We want to grow in our finances. We, do, we want a lot of things. Do we act according to what we want? And the answer is no. So many people have goals. So many people have resolutions. So many people have dreams. We don't act according to those. What do we do? We act not according to what we want. We act according to what we expect. And so if you want to change your life, you change your expectations. Can we can we go a little bit practical? Um, this 2021, you want to grow in your finances. You want to have multiple income streams. You want to start this side hustle and that side business and you want to sell this and you want to invest here. You want that, you want to bless your finances. Question, that's what you want. But do you actually, how many will actually dive and experiment with 10 things start something, sell something, stumble into something and, and struggle with something and, and start something again. You know, you fail and you start again and you start again. and you, How many will actually do that? And the answer is, and here's my experience as a financial teacher and, and I'm wearing a financial mentor hat right now. I notice that very few actually do that. And I think one problem is our expectations. We just don't expect. Either we've got wrong labels, either we grew up with a, the with a wrong, you know, kinds of distorted thoughts about money and about ourselves. Can I share, you know, f- just heart to heart with you that, y- yes, please, do not put God in a box. God is bigger than your expectations. And connected to that, do not also put yourself in a box. You are bigger than you think you are. You are brighter than you think you are. You are better than you think you are. You are wiser than you think you are. God believes so. He created you. And, and I just wanted to share. Hey, can, can I share with you my, my experience? Um, before the age of 30, I, I was a missionary. And then I transitioned to become a missionary entrepreneur. It's a long story, but I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to grow. And again, it, it was, it was mind-expanding for me because I saw myself as just a missionary, period. Nothing else. But, you know, I I wanted to get married. At the same time, I wanted wanted to provide for my family. And I also wanted to to bless people financially. I wanted to help the ministry. Every time there's a ministry need, even if it's just a guitar, you know, I, I had to look around and ask money from other people. And I had this fantasy. Like, oh, we need a guitar for the music ministry. My fantasy was very simple. It drove me nuts, you know, To be able to pull out my own wallet, to open it and say, you know, pull out some money and say, here, buy the guitar. (laughs) That that was my fantasy. And, and uh, you know, okay, here, let's send these orphans to school and here's the money. And I, I I wanted to do that. So I wanted, but did I expect it? It took a while for me to actually grow in my expectations. To actually say, God, maybe this is what you want. But you see, here's the funny thing. Um, It took a lot of years to be able to adjust my expectations. And uh, so this is what happened. So I transitioned to become a missionary entrepreneur. So I I started small businesses. And I remember starting three food stalls. I shared this story with you already. Uh, One of them was a hot dog on a stick food stall. The other one was, was selling squid balls. And the third one was an ice cream uh, scooper, you know, on cones. And so those were my food stalls. And I prayed for them every day. And I asked God to bless them. And I said, Lord God, you know, I'm here to serve you. And, and, and so that's what happened. I want you to know that within two years, all of them, all of them became bankrupt. I lost all of my money. And I was devastated. I mean, emotionally, I was telling God, Lord, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Here I am serving you. I'm still a missionary, even if I had those small businesses. And in my mind, I was thinking that, well, you know, God's going to bless those businesses so that he, I can provide for my family and I can continue to give and share and all that. It didn't work. It didn't work. Now, let me tell you, that because of those failures, I was forced to start different kinds of businesses. And so fast forward 15, 20 years later today, those other kinds of businesses has grown 100 times bigger. And I want to thank God that right now, You know, combined, we're able to employ 200 people, 200 people, 200 employees. Thank God for that. Let me share this with you, that if those three food stalls did not fail, here's my guess. I'll still probably be running those three food stalls. Maybe it grew to four or five or six. I don't know. But you see, God had other plans, and it was, you know, I expected God that, you know, you're, you're going to bless me through this. And, and God was saying, no, I've got bigger plans for you. No, I've got better plans for you. But are you willing to work? Are you willing to go through more discouragement? Are you willing to go through more despair? Are you going through, are you willing to go through more problems? A lot of people avoid problems. I'll tell you, let me share this with you, that if you want to fulfill your goals and reach the dreams that you believe God has written in your heart, you're, you've got to face those problems, and you've got you've to embrace them, and you've got to say, yes, more problems! Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to, to le- leave this word with you with how Jesus responded to, to John. So let, let, I'm, I'm going back to what Audie was preaching. So that, that little side thing was, was, just a, was just a little insert. But what I want to do is I want to share with you now uh, how Jesus responded to John's doubts. Are you ready? Here it is. I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Jesus gave John a news report of what he was doing. And Jesus said, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was quoting the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was describing what the Messiah was supposed to do. And so Jesus was saying there, I'm doing it. And so Jesus was telling John the Baptist, John the Baptist. Don't doubt. I am the Messiah. In fact, I'm doing what the, what the Messiah is supposed to do. John, listen to me. I may not be fulfilling the, the expectations that you have for the Messiah, but I am doing what the Father expects me to do. What I love about this passage, Jesus never scolded John never did. Do you know what Jesus did? He honored John. You you read it in the passage. Jesus said, John the Baptist, he's the greatest prophet. I love that. I so love that. John may have doubted Jesus, but Jesus never doubted John the Baptist. Friend, I hope you're listening to me. May I preach to you today. You may be doubting God, but God never doubts you. And you may not believe in God, but God believes in you. And you may lose your trust in God, but I'm telling you, God still trusts you. He sees something in you, something bigger and better, and brighter. And I pray that you will open your eyes, get to know God, follow Him, love Him, give yourself to Him. His plans for you are far bigger, and you will be amazed when He says, come, let's build the kingdom of God together. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, please visit lightfam.com podcasts.